Straight out of Gibraltar, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. Hey guys, welcome once again to Straight Outta Gibraltar. We're very pleased to bring you another interview, another guest, and of course, more than anything else, more local music. And that's, of course, it's the most important thing between us. And obviously, when we get these podcasts out there, it astonishes a lot of people as to how much local music there is, and actually there has been in the last few years, and more of a resurgence as of late as well. So it's great to get great feedback as to what is out there available at the moment and obviously hidden gems from the past that perhaps you probably have forgotten about. So I'm pleased to actually bring all this local music on a very weekly basis and we great guests as well. Before we get carried away, we want to mention, of course, our sponsors. And of course, we're very grateful to Coca-Cola, Secondary Speed. Uh, we're very grateful to Gary Povedano, Nairi Fava, Saraj Award. You know, they're just great people to work with. I mean, they've believed in everything that we wanted to do from day one, and they've continued to sponsor this podcast, which is even better. So thank you guys, Second and Speed, for all their trust and all their friendship, and, and more than anything else, the force of posting local music. So now I'm going to introduce my guest. And my guest is someone I've known for a very long time, believe it or not. And when I've known him for a long time, I, I probably get carried away. And I've seen him do all sorts. I've seen him behind the scenes and seen him on the stage. I've seen him do production. Now he's doing things. Like to scout the talent that there is available on the rock, and it's great to see as well. Emadad. So I'd like to welcome my guest this week is Daryl Mann. Welcome, Daryl. Good afternoon, David. Thank you for having me, man. And how are you doing today, Daryl? I was seeing you in the UK, so I'm assuming things are not very gloomy and wonderful at the moment. <laughs> I think we're living in in strange uh, strange times, and uh, you know that that goes for for everyone, no matter where if it's in Gibraltar, in the UK, or, or elsewhere. Um, life goes on, unfortunately. So uh, you know we have to soldier on and, uh, and just keep going, do what we do, and <sighs> wait for a <laughs> for a clearing in, in, in this storm. You know. 
Absolutely. And I think uh, when I was in speaking to other guests and even even and like even off camera and off microphone as well, um, what I've noticed that, that most musicians are telling me that using this time to be more productive and we do more things with their music because they probably don't have the time. Because some of them, we take it for granted that most musicians in Florida do work 95, they don't do it for a living. So would you say same cases for you, maybe you're doing more things behind the scenes and obviously like doing more music as what we've seen to the Friday Night Live sessions that you do more vocals as opposed to doing more drums and guitar that people are used to. I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, um, this whole crisis has sort of brought everyone down to the knees. Um, but it's given everyone an opportunity and it's given more, you know, I mean, it's given people time, uh, which we as, as musical creatives, we always complain we don't have enough. And we're always saying, oh, I wish I had more time to do this and do that. Um, so, you know, silver lining. Uh, yes, we're living in unprecedented times. However, as uh, as musical creatives, I think we've taken the bull by the horns, so to speak, uh, and we're using this uh, time productively um, to be creative, to do more music, and to perhaps venture out from our comfort zones. Uh, I certainly know that that's something I've personally done during this experience. Um, as you mentioned, I've uh, I've you know, along the years, I've always been either playing instruments or, or doing behind-the-scenes work. Um, but this uh, lockdown situation kind of gave me the push to try something which I've never done before, which is um, do main vocals. Uh, and I've, I have, like you say, been taking part in the uh, Friday Night Live sessions uh, on Facebook, uh, which has been a great experience. So, um, you know, it's it's better late than never, I guess. I suppose so. That's the best way to think about it as well. Um, when we talked before actually doing this interview, obviously we asked our guests to choose five tracks and to choose five tracks from the local music scene. I wouldn't be able to choose just five. I think I'd probably get carried away and choose like 15, 20, even 25. <laughs> um, but uh, I think like the ones that you chose are ones, I, I pretty much, some of them are hidden gems, especially one of them that we're going to talk about now. And the, the vocalist of this particular band has also had a bit of a resurgence. Is actually back in the scene, I dare say. And hopefully to, to continue to stay. And, and this particular band in Milberjack is what came from after Glow. And obviously what happened with Glow was a bit of a tragedy, unfortunately, because Michael Denier passed away. But obviously they continued Milberjack. They went to Florida and they did and they recorded this album, uh, Shade of Grey, which was, it's, it's, I dare say, it is a very underrated album. If you listen to it from start to finish, it's very underrated. There's some great tunes on there. And what, the one that you chose is actually my favorite on the album, too. That we can actually dive in, into that uh, track in particular and obviously talk about the album a bit more. But before that, more than anything else, tell us about those early musical memories that you remember, like being a part of the scene or even trying to get into the scene yourself. Oh, you're asking me to go way, way, way back, man. Um, it was a different time. And, you know, like, like with everything else, uh, trends and, and, and sort of cultural trends change. And the music scene that we live uh, in Gibraltar today is, or even in the world today, is, is a very different scene to to that of the 90s, uh, which is where I started my musical journey, so to speak. Um, I, I still remember, you know, back in the day, uh, we used to get together in, in Bayside School in the playground to sort of jam, play around and play guitar uh, on our lunch times. And that's where it all began, I think. Um, there was, there was a, a large group of like-minded people. We got together and, if I remember correctly, from, from about 20 of us, there was like three or four bands which were actually formed from these little sort of group concentrations that we used to have at lunchtime. 
uh, which is great. And unfortunately, I, I don't think it happens anymore. You know, uh, um, teenagers nowadays have different priorities, I guess. Um, but it was it was a great experience, and you know, none of us were experts. Uh, far from it. We were just we just wanted to play play music, I guess. Uh, but none of us knew <laughs> exactly what we were doing. Um, we were also given, you know, brilliant opportunity. I one of my first bands was with uh, Richard Cortez, who's uh, the the son of the the late Hector Cortez, who was instrumental yeah. to um, to music development in Gibraltar back uh, back back in those days. Um, and we were given the opportunity to uh, essentially have our own uh, rehearsal space down at the old music center by uh, Wellington Front. And had it not been for him and that uh, facility, perhaps our lives would have taken a, a very different turn. Uh, so we have to be very grateful for those opportunities when they come up. Um, and it was essentially just getting together in a room, uh, pretty much identifying, so what are you going to play? Are you going to play bass? Are you going to play guitar? Are you going to play drums? And that was it. And that was uh, how it all started, uh, which is great. Um, and obviously the internet wasn't the thing as it was as it is nowadays um there, there wasn't any youtube to pick out any songs it was all about you know playing the cd and playing it back and forward and back and forward and trying to learn those those bits of every song uh, there was no spotify so nothing was on demand everything had to be looked or there were music books i mean i remember my first ever guitar tab when i was i must have been about 15 uh, just about just uh just finished taking my gcse's uh and I remember downloading Led Zeppelin Stay Into Heaven. And it was a nightmare. It was an absolute <laughs> mess. Trying to figure out what everything meant. And that was all printed at home. And that was it. That was my project for the summer pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, uh, I've certainly come a long way like, like many other musicians. Um, it's, all, it's all part of the journey, I guess. Um, you know, it, it, starts, it starts at one point, but it never ends, which is great. And that's the great thing about music. Um, you keep on developing... As, as years go 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 by and then you, you never become an expert that because you're always constantly learning you're always con constantly developing and understanding and, and learning new techniques you know it's a beautiful journey as well and when you mentioned Hector Cortez I and obviously his contributions to local music and obviously to have belief in the youth as I say more than anything else it's very important that people remember that as well and because I think it's very overlooked that Hector actually did so much and to be so instrumental in, in no pun intended behind the, the success of many musicians like yourself, obviously his, his children as well, and, and many others, you know, and that rehearsal space in Wellington, France, I don't think there's any musician in Gibraltar that's never rehearsed in that re rehearsal space. It's got such a meaningful, um, it's such a meaningful thing for people like yourself. And then when I speak to Richard, I've spoken to Magaliano about this before as well. You know, many others who know and the pretty much what that room means to a lot of people and what it has meant to a lot of people in the past as well. Uh, I'd absolutely agree. I mean, like I say, uh, he was instrumental to the development of, of many of us uh, back in the day. And the opportunity presented itself. And had we not had uh, access to that rehearsal space, uh, I mean, God knows, we may ha we, we may never have picked up music or never formed a band. And who knows? But uh, thankfully enough, it, it turned out the way it did. So. And that's the most important thing. I think when you look, think about it now, it's like we take it for granted because nowadays I've spoken to this, this with other guests as well, that the fact we can go to perhaps cultural services or even Rock on the Rock and get rehearsal space. And it's so much easier in a way. Obviously, there's a waiting list in both, in both places. But if you need a room 
for just one gig, perhaps you can use one of Rock on the Rocks community rooms and it's available. You know, just pay a rent and that's it. You know, it's very simple. I mean, of course, uh, like I say, everything evolves, everything develops. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I need to mention Rock on the Rock Club um, because that was also sort of second part of the journey when uh, One in Front uh, was no longer available. Then we moved on to the initial, the original Rock on the Rock Club where um, the rehearsal spaces as we know them now uh, did not exist. It was just one empty, massive vault right at the bottom. Um, and I, I did play with a few with a few different bands uh, back then down there. Uh, myself, like many many other musicians in Gibraltar. Again, you know we're we're all extremely grateful, and I think I speak for all the musicians in Gibraltar when I say thank you for for all these opportunities uh, that allowed us to continue on our journey. Absolutely. So well, we talked about Milberjack prior to getting into the, the pretty much new background and everything else. And obviously, shade of grey and etc. 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 Which we could probably get carried away and talk about and talking about. And obviously, even the precursor with Glow. Did you ever get to meet Michael and Inun? What was it like to get to know Michael on, on the way that you did? Michael was a very good friend of mine. Um, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to live uh, in the same block, the same housing estate. Uh, so I, I still remember bumping into him at the entrance <laughs> pretty much every day, uh, which was great. Um, we had a great friendship, like like with many other people, um, and that started something special. Especially when uh, uh, I used to go down to Sax, Sax too, on Friday nights where Glow used to play, uh, pretty much every week. Um, and I remember the first time he gave me the opportunity to uh, go up on stage and sort of accompany the band on acoustic guitar and play some play some tunes with them. Which imagine. You're 18. You've never, you know, these people are, are musical idols to you. Um, and all of a sudden, you're in a room packed with, with people watching the band and you're up, you're up there with the band. That is a great sensation. It's a great feeling. Uh, and that kind of sort of gave me that want to be on a stage and, and say, you know, I, I could get used to this. That was, that was great. That was brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, I, I, got, I got to know the rest of the guys and pretty much I've, I've been involved with them ever you know ever since and it's fantastic to see the fact uh, even to listen to the fact how influential the similar to the cortez that michael Lenino was to a lot of people i'm not a musician per se myself but i, I know how much he meant to me in every sense of the word i mean his parents used to live in the same block as my grandma so we have that more, more or less in common i was see him working at the hospital i was very accident prone as a child so i would always see him there he was always on my case of wanting to learn guitar because he, like, obviously coming from a musical family like I do, he's like, oh, maybe you can learn guitar. I, I was always very wanting the drums, I guess. Maybe dad's background has a lot to do with that. But I, like, I could have easily picked up the guitar. I never did. I should have, but I never did. But it's one of those regrets, you know, because I think maybe if I would have told Michael to teach me, I would have perhaps gotten some lessons from him or even some pointers like many others like yourself did. But unfortunately, that never happened. You know, Michael died shortly before I turned 13. So the fact that I never saw Glow Live as well didn't help. But I obviously heard the record, which is probably one, still one of my favorites of all time. Well, you know what I say? It's never too late, David. Never too late, mate. Pick up that guitar. Do it. Do it now. You have the time now, man. Uh, I might have to. I might have to. But I think. But then I wouldn't. I'd have to promote myself. And it's going to sound very wrong to promote myself <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> 
but at the end of the day, it's like everything else. You know, I'm, I'm, I could probably like the same way as you and many others. I think Michael was, just gave that spark to so many musicians, and not just musicians, that even people that just went to see to sax on a weekly basis were just amazed by his guitar skills. And no, his guitar was just on another level altogether. That's, I think, it it had to be seen to be believed in every sense of the word. I mean. Michael, I don't consider him a guitarist. He was a musician, in, inside and out. Uh, he was an excellent songwriter, an excellent yeah. guitarist. He was a brilliant person. So you know, it's an all-round thing. So he he wasn't just a guitarist. He was he was a, a fantastic musician. He was all around. I agree there. And the tr- track that you chose in "Take Me" by Milberjack, obviously from "Shade of Grey," which we talked about before. Uh, tell us a bit more about that song. Why, why that song in particular? That song, um, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, this song was actually uh, either written by Michael or he had some input in it uh, back in the glow days. Um, and I remember listening to a demo of this song way before it was released with, with Melba Jack. Um, and I actually heard this song being performed in Spanish. Uh, and this was at a at a Glow performance at the Plaza de Toros in Algeciras, where Glow had the opportunity to uh, play a support slot for El Canto del Loco. Yep. Back then, when Canto del Loco was just pretty much coming into the the music, the Spanish music scene, and I was there. I was fortunate enough to be, you know, the guys took me along as a as a tech, as a roadie, so to speak. Um, so that was a great experience, and ever since. I heard this song, it always sort of resonated with me. It's There's something about the chorus. Uh, the chorus hook is just so catchy. Um, and I remember when when I went to see Melba Jack many, many years later at the Catholic Community Center, the gig they did there, yeah. I was with my friend Nolan, Fendo, and <laughs> it was just one of those songs that we were very sort of into uh, harmonizing at, the, at that time. Uh, and this song just worked perfectly. And we used to sort of sing together and you know that song just stuck with me, and it's been one of my favorites ever since. And it's a great tune. And you, when you mentioned the Glow, uh, it's actually uh, the Glow version is also on the Forgotten Tapes, which was released by Glow a few years ago as well. So you're spot on and right on the money there. Awesome. <laughs> At least my memory <laughs> is not fading with age. So yeah, it's not, but it's good to it, it's good to know. But this is the Melbourne Jack version, which, like you said, it is very catchy and it is my favorite from the album. That song, like that album in particular, like I said, it's got many great tunes and it's one that could have perhaps gotten a little bit further, but unfortunately never did. But still, it's still great and it's still a great album. And of course, we're going to play it now. So this is Take Me by Milba Jack. Hope you enjoy it.
Take me, and I hope you enjoyed that. A little trip, nice down memory lane, of course, for both of us, and for hopefully for all of you listening as well. Prior to Glow, and obviously Glow was, was still around at the time, but obviously the, the band that really ventured out and actually made it into Spain, and obviously pretty much after pretty much being discovered after listening to this particular person listening to the repeat was Melon Diesel, and of course prior to Melon Diesel there were Treehouse, and which people may remember. And of course, there was there was a fragment of many bands. Obviously, there was Sympathy for the Blonde, many others. You know, it's all a combination of, of two bands. But it ended up being Melon Diesel and Treehouse all together. So tell us about those early memories of what maybe perhaps watching Treehouse or listening to Treehouse and then listening to Melon Diesel. This is going even further back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me try and remember. Um, so I was fortunate enough if I remember correctly, to be able to see Treehouse Live once and only once. I'm not going to disclose my age at the time. I don't want to incriminate myself. Um, and this was obviously at the Admiral Collingwood um, bar, which was at the marina. Where a, yeah. It's a restaurant now, uh, shamefully. But, um, you know, that was my, I guess, my first experience of live music. That was the first time I saw people playing the bar. And that was completely new to me. And, and, and many of my friends that came with me were like, wow, this is, what's this? No, this is great. Um, <laughs> and uh, a funny anecdote. I remember, again, going back to these lunchtime sessions that we used to have uh, at Baytide School. I used to hang around with uh, my friends Richard Cortez and William Westlake. They were all in the same school year together. And I remember we went down to um, a tiny little sort of keyboard music room uh, in the music department in Bayside. And I remember William coming with his guitar saying, oh, you know what? I've learned this song uh, that uh, Treehouse play. I was like, oh, okay, play it. So he started playing the song, which we now know as Mr. Jones by The Counting Crows. <laughs> we didn't know what the song was called. We called it Sha La La. Um, you know, we started learning the song and, and that was brilliant. I was like, wow, we, we've learned the song which the band played sort of thing, which sounds very stupid when, when I say it back now but back then it was like a major accomplishment uh, you know and I take you back to the fact that there wasn't any Spotify we didn't have the track uh, we had to wait for songs to come on the radio so it was like wow you've learned this from memory how cool how cool <laughs> um, so yeah I mean you know Treehouse I think again were very instrumental to, to many musicians in Gibraltar um, especially back then there were very very little there I say mainstream bands 
back then. Um, I never experienced any of the other, the other equally great bands that were around at the time because I wasn't into that sort of, I wasn't into that genre, uh, you know, which is a shame. But obviously with age comes experience and it yep. broadens your horizons. So back then I used to listen to, to very, very different music to what I listen to now. Um, but again, I, I really enjoyed Treehouse because it was that sort of mainstream pop rock vibe um, that I really enjoyed. I mean, I, I didn't even know who Pearl Jam were. And later on, later that, you know, later on, I discovered that they were pretty much all major Persian fans. So that's where the inspirations came from. Um, so yeah, I mean, Treehouse. Who doesn't know Treehouse in Gibraltar? Um, and I remember. I remember. Who doesn't have uh, the EP? I think exactly. Yeah. Maybe the ultimate question. I remember <laughs> listening to that EP for the first time, thinking, "Wow, this is this is great stuff," you know. Um, and to see them go on to bigger and better things after that, uh, as Melon Diesel. That was just brilliant. That was just like, it was all, almost like a testament to, to every other musician saying, you know, if, if you really want it, you can go and get it. Um, nothing is impossible, especially back then. You know, music's always just been such a hard industry to, to get into. Um, but they they pretty much followed their, dream, their dreams and they, you know, they, they were able to, to get to where they wanted to, which is great. And again, great inspiration for all the younger musicians at the time. Um, you know, sending a message of don't give up, just follow your dreams, and if you if you work hard enough, you, you can achieve it. You know, and it's fantastic because when you listen to them back, and I, I've met, Nolan actually mentioned this a few a few years you know, years ago, a few months ago, and he was on TV and he was talking about the, the album, the first one, like was the Mr. Bond in particular, and he's saying that um, he likes to revisit it every once in a while because he doesn't like to listen to it all the time. Maybe perhaps maybe it's one of my favorites, so I listen to it quite often. But I think the second album, Umbra and Espejo, is probably up there with what their best work. It's, it stands out. It, it just, just when you didn't think they were going to be, just when it couldn't get any better, it did. And it was fantastic all, all, all the way through from start to finish. I mean, yeah, you're actually spot on, man. <laughs> I can't really second that. I mean, I just listened to it now. And I, and like, I, I, re I remember listening to Gaja de Singanio, like with, with headphones for the first time when I was like maybe 13, 14, just after the album had just come out. And I put it on, and obviously the bass line in the particular song just completely amazed me. And I'm like, you know what? I would love to play bass as well. But obviously I never did again. Same thing with the guitar, but it just, I always used to emulate the, the bass. And always then the fact that it was Guy Balmer playing bass and the fact that I knew Guy was, I was always very amazed to think, you know what? I'm actually emulating someone I know. It was very surreal to me at the time. I'm going to give you the same advice. Do it now, man. <laughs> do it. Pick up the bass. Pick up the guitar. Just do it. Don't think about it. Nah, it's never too late, like, like we always say. But it's, it's absolutely testaments, like you said. Like, there's so many bands which have been influential. But I think Melendez are up there, like, similar, similar to Glow. I, I, there is no... And there is others. You know, there, there are other bands. And even singer-songwriters in Gibraltar who are very instrumental. But, like, the, even from the ones that we've chosen, like, today. But there's many others as well. But... It's just testament to how much talent there is in Gibraltar. It just shows you if you if you put your mind to it, like you said, you can venture out and perhaps things can happen. Absolutely. I mean, like you say, there's been so many great bands and it's just been an inspiration for everyone. Um, and it's great that in such a small community, we've had such, uh, you know, such large number of, of, of musicians and musical talent or creative talent for that matter. Um which we take for granted, I think. 
you know, it's a, Gibraltar is a very small place, very small, very small community. Yet there is a lot of talent, and not only in in, in the musical sense. There's a lot of talent around, you know, um, amongst many, many other different disciplines. Uh, so you know, we're we're very, very lucky to have that. I mean, well, I think the the key to when it comes to what melodies are achieved more than anything else is that I tell it, and I say it to a lot of the musicians that are just starting out, or even the ones that are in bands at the moment, like from the young ones especially, I always say you just never know who's listening and who is watching or anything else. That's testament to anything. I mean, absolutely. Obviously, the, the musical climate has changed now, uh, and things work very differently, just to slightly digress there. Um, you know, long gone are the days that someone, an A&R, listens to your music in a bar <laughs> or in a cafe, yeah. and, oh, we're going to give you a record deal. But... You know, kudos to them. They were in the right place, right time, with the right product. And so, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to play Hombre en el Espejo. Not the entire album, the title track of the <laughs> album. <laughs> but it is, it is a great one. It's one that pretty much people, I'm pretty sure, will sing along to and even hum along to as well at the same time. So Hombre en el Espejo by Melon Diesel. Hope you enjoy it.
and we're back with more local music and more, obviously a little bit more more anecdotes from our guests. And tell us a little bit more about that song. Why did you choose that song in particular when you could choose pretty much all this stuff? When it comes to Melon Diesel, it's so hard to pick out one song uh, yeah. from, from all the albums because all of them are great. Um, and, and each album is different in their own unique way. So it'd be even harder to say, to, to sort of pick out my favorite album because every album has a different element that, that I like. Um, again, I think it's the musicality, Norman and Espejo, and the message that it, that it sort of transcends. Um, I The first time I heard this song, you know, I, I really resonated with it and I, I fell in love with it since, since the first time. Um, and it's never changed. And, you know, different songs, perhaps better songs, not saying that this is, this is a great song, in, in my opinion, have come along, yet this one's always sort of remained a firm favorite of mine, perhaps because of the message. And, yeah. you know, with, to that, you add great musicality, great lyrics, great, you know, vibe and, and groove, and it's a hit song. Uh, what was it like to get to meet them or even get to know them on, on, that, on that level, like when you were growing up? Obviously, even when the fact that they were still pretty much active and obviously when they would come to Gibraltar, etc. I think it's very weird, <clears throat> and I'm sure that this happens to everyone, because when, when, you, when you sort of get to know someone who's, who's famous or who's in, is in the spotlight somewhat, then you realize that they're human like everybody else. Um, the, the, you know, the, they were men of exceptional talent, but they're human, and, they, and it's great that they, they grew up in the same community that I did and everybody else. So again, it's 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 about um, you know the message that they send. It's like right, we came from from where you came. Look what we've achieved, so you can do it too, sort of thing. Um, it's a similar experience, I'm guessing, to when you hear all these famous Brazilian footballers who, who come from nothing and 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 they make it in, in the world of football. That sends a very inspiring message to all those kids who, you know, live in the favelas in in Brazil, thinking I want to be like them one day. And it's like, well, you know what, I was I was you, you know, ten years ago, and look look at me now. So it's 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 a very positive message that that sends. Um, and obviously, when you become friends with them, you you start to understand more on how they are and how they think, and and perhaps even try and sort of come up with their songwriting formula and and, and why you know you start to understand why they did things the way they did and why the songs sound so great. Would you seek advice from them, like whenever you'd see them, or you just talk to them about just normal as if nothing ever happened? You know, it's. It's one of those things that you wouldn't, you don't want to spoil that relationship. Uh, you don't want to be a, a, a fanboy in that essence, um, especially in a small community. You, you know, they become your friends, they become your mates. And you don't want to, you don't want to be talking work uh, when you're out and about, if that makes sense. Um, so no, not really. I've never been a, you know, I've never been that type of person. Uh, I've met a few celebrities in my life and I've never been sort of into asking those sort of personal questions, just keeping it cool, keeping it real, and, and that's pretty much it. And for me, I think, I always say, like, I was very starstruck the first time. I was a new guy already, but I didn't know the others that well. But the, And I always say knew Dylan mostly because his dad was friends with my dad, but I didn't really know him that well. But I, I was very starstruck, maybe. Perhaps I was young. I was So maybe perhaps that had a lot to do with it. And But once I was, like you mentioned, like once I got older and obviously when I would see them and I had drinks with them as well you the, you would talk about everything except music that's the reality and I don't think 
you can grasp uh, until it happens. You know, like I've spoken to Dylan, like we've had meetings in the past. We don't talk about music, you know, we talk about our lives and obviously things that we've done. He's accomplished maybe perhaps on the down low, but he doesn't really get into talking about music. Guy's the same. We talk about football mostly. Boss of the same thing. He's a lead supporter like I am. So we talk about that. You know, same thing with Danny and and, uh, and Bougie. Look, I see them because the media colleagues as well. So whenever I see them, I just say hi. We talk about pretty much work. We don't really talk about music. So it's, that's the way it is. It's the best way to go on about it as well. That's the only way, man. Keep You know, you have to stay humble, man. Absolutely. And speaking about humble, it's a good word that you mentioned there, and a little segue into our next uh, track as well. I just say this person is too humble in every sense of the word, and I think when it comes to being too humble with what he's achieved and what he sets out to achieve as well, because he's done so many things and he's adapted so many genres and um, so many of his tracks into so many different genres, and they actually work. And this particular gent is Adrian Pizzarello, and the I one think we could go. The one and only you said it, and I think we could go on forever to talk about Adrian. But the humbleness and the, is the key to what makes Adrian what he is as a person and as a musician. I mean, I, I could I could spend hours talking about Adrian. Um, Adrian's a very very good friend of mine, and we've remained in contact, uh, you know, throughout the years. Um, it's a funny story with Adrian because we had we have a mutual friend. Uh, in fact, uh, my my best mate's mom used to work with him, um, and I remember when I started playing cajon. I used to just play for my own. I, I never played with anyone, and I, you know, Aidan Pizarro was everywhere. Everyone knew Aidan Pizarro. Everyone knew about his songs and, and what a great songwriter he was. Um, and I always looked up to him, even though I, I never got the opportunity to meet him. And I remember one day, my mate comes up and says, "I've just been to a wedding." where my mom was there and Adrian Pizzarello was also there and he's asked for your number I'm like what he's like yep he I think he wants he wants you to play with him and I was genuinely shocked because I was young I was like you know I thought he's played with such brilliant musicians before why on earth does he want to play with me I mean what you know why um and I, I was very nervous I was like this is not happening this is not happening so I eventually gave him a call. And I remember we met up. I went to um to the uh the rehearsal stu- the rehearsal room down at Wellington Front uh that used to belong to the youth if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh used to be uh, used to be run by Jaime Felice. Uh we had a bit of a jam. He liked my vibe. I obviously loved his music and you know everything started on from there. And I, I did get the opportunity to play loads of live gigs with Adrian. We did a couple of, of uh, music videos as well. So that was a great experience. <laughs> and I remember he always used to tell me, he's like, oh, you're, you know, sometimes you miss rehearsal because I was, I was young, young and naive at that time. Um, <laughs> I, perhaps I didn't take, uh, take it as seriously and uh, as serious as I should have. And he was always used to say, um, you know, you're always not turning up for rehearsal or you're late. But I can't tell you off because when we go to gigs, you play like you've been rehearsing for hours. <laughs> and it still, it still tells me to, to this day. He's like, I don't know how you do it, but I can't complain. So uh, I kept him happy, happy like that. Um, you know, and, and only, only recently in the last five years, you know, this, I haven't played with Adrian for, for many, many, many years. And in the last five years, I actually uh, found out 
that my very first music teacher, who essentially got me into liking music, and this is we're talking about first school here. Um, she was Adrian Pisaello's mom, <laughs> which for me was like a wow moment. It was like, you know, life goes round and and the, the world is small. How 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 did I end up playing with? with the woman's son like many 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 years later so that was a brilliant experience and that just brought it home for me you know i think adrian has such an aura about him and i was speaking to about this with patrick murphy last week and he was mentioning the fact that adrian always has a lot of time like it's not just to give you like his opinion about music or even about anything that he likes but in music in particular he has a lot of time for the young ones as well like he gives them pointers he gives them advice and he's always willing to give up for anything, you know. He's working on a single right now with some singer-songwriter from Morocco as well, which with alongside Liam Byrne, which is fantastic, you know, and things like that, which make you think, you know, he he'll never stop. And every time when I saw him a few weeks ago, obviously knowing the fact that he's a big Bowie fan, it didn't surprise me, but it surprised a lot of people when when they saw his vocal ability on the free falling video as well. You know, it's it doesn't have to be raw, like Adrian. It, has, it, can, it can actually be. Something like free falling, and he actually makes it work. And his vocal ability is second to none in that particular track, and as in, in, it is in many other tracks as well. I mean that that can only show his versatility, um, yeah. in you know, in, in his musicality, and that's that's perhaps one of the the big the biggest problems that we have uh, in Gibraltar as a musician, because uh, it's such a small community and everybody knows each other. Once you do one style of music. And I'm not talking about Adrian Pisarello in, in particular, you know. Um, they sort of kind of pigeon pigeonhole you into, oh, okay, so, and they brand you, all right, so you play rock and you play metal and you play pop. Whereas with Adrian, I think he's he's kind of sort of given the finger <laughs> to the industry and, and to society and said, well, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do it brilliantly every time. And that's just Adrian Pisarello. Um, you know, you can, Adrian Pisarello can. In, in one single gig, play a Spanish song, and then he does punk, and then he does rock, and then pretty much he's, he's versatile as they come. Absolutely, and there is no one greater in that sense, like you mentioned, the versatility, like the fact like you can go from a punk song to a Spanish song and vice versa, and, and even something folky, something rocky, and he did that on National Day as well. He did, like he had the Adrian Pissarero universe, and he had pretty much, um, he had Nick Richardson and Happy Peter Martinez. It was like a, a, co- a compilation of all the projects he's worked on over the years. And when you listen to that in particular, it just amazed me completely. I mean, absolutely. That's, again, that's just Aidan Pisarello. And that's what he does. And he does it greatly. So uh, yeah. we salute you, sir. <laughs> absolutely. So why did you choose La Capsule in particular? So this was one of my favorite songs to play live with him. I found it very funny um, when he actually told me the story, which we're not going to go into uh, <laughs> for, for everyone who's listening and whoever has the chance to ask Adrian in person, please do. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find it very enjoyable. Very surprising. Um, it was great. It's, it's a great song to play. It's, it's, it's a fun song, again, because I know the story behind it. And I just enjoyed it so much when I used to play with him that, again, it, it's, it became one of my firm favorites. So... Uh, that's why I chose it. So good choice as well. So we're going to play La Capsula by Adrian Pissarello and the EC Band, and I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back after this. I 
Adrian Pistarello and band with La Capsula. Of course, like uh, Daryl rightfully said, if you get the opportunity to see Adrian, ask him about this song. Um, we won't dive into it. I'm pretty sure people can probably get the gist of it, but don't get into it anyway. We won't get into it anyway. 
And one of the biggest exports, I dare say, and I wouldn't say it's, it's from a local band. Obviously, it's got local musicians are part of it. So, like the first few years, it was just a strictly all local band, but it, it, then it evolves into something pretty much huge and bigger than we ever thought. And of course, we're talking about Breed Seven Seven, and of course, Breed Seven Seven for people not maybe be aware of. Uh, Daryl, you worked behind the scenes with them a few times as well, but one particular gig in Canton is pretty much the, the story that you always tell. <laughs> I did. I was I was very fortunate. Um, when I moved to London back in 2007, I was very fortunate and very privileged to be able to work with the guys. Um, that said, I, I never really had the opportunity to meet them uh, before then. Or perhaps I knew Danny. Um, Danny and maybe Stuart, but just like sort of in a friendly kind of acquaintance way. And we became really good mates and we used to hang around all the time together. They showed me London. They showed me all the great places to go for live music and stuff. Um, and yeah, and, and I mean, one of my highlights <coughs> working with the guys was uh, at the BBC Electric Proms, which took place at the Barfly in Camden, uh, which is a renowned or was a renowned um, uh, music venue. And that night uh, was being headlined by Breed 77. And the host was none other than Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson. Um, I remember I was sort of the, the liaison. I was there to make sure that everything was running smooth, everything was set up, and, and the band was ready to go on. I remember Paul, he was in, in the backstage room, and he's like, um, can, you go and, can you go and make sure that we find the host and that we can go on stage? So I remember it was a fully packed venue. I, I remember walking out. And I'm looking, looking towards the stage thinking, oh my God, there's no one here. And all of a sudden I get tapped on my shoulder and I turn around and there's Bruce Dickinson just look at me and he goes, you're all right, mate. Are the band ready for me yet? <laughs> and I was like, okay, don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was quite a peculiar moment, but it was great. Like it was on the, on the outside, I was cool as a cucumber. I was like, oh yeah, uh, just, just come with me. And on the, on the inside, I was probably you know, being fanboy 100%, like, ah, so that was great. Um, like I say, that, that's one of my highlights. But again, I, I also had the privilege to travel with the band to a, a festival gig in Holland, which we traveled all the way from central London to Holland and back all in the same day. <laughs> that was an experience, I tell you. Um, especially when we got we got stuck in the german motorway for like three hours and we were so late for for breed slot at the festival that they let they let us drive the splitter truck with all our equipment right on behind the stage and this was a massive field god knows where i don't remember in the middle of holland um we literally stopped the van behind the behind the the stage and i was the I was a roadie, I was a tech, so my job to help set up the amps and the drums and stuff like that. And I remember, this is the only, the only time I've, I've been able to do this, I walk out on the stage, as you see many professionals do, uh, many technical professionals do, walk out onto the stage with, with Danny's guitar around my neck, plug it in, I want to do a sound check, and when I look up, all I see are heads, thousands of heads. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing here? <laughs> But it was great. It was great. It was like, right, I'm here to do a job. Let's, let's get cracking. Um, so they played the gig. They played like the 10 songs and everything back into the van and back into the van, back to London. 
So yeah, it was a delightful experience. <laughs> it was absolutely. But still, it's like those adventures, I suppose, that pretty much that like, you'll remember. And obviously, you get to know them on, on that level as well. I mean, absolutely. We we spend, you know, on that trip alone, we spend about what twenty hours, twenty odd hours together in a van. If we don't get to know people like that, you never will. Um, but it was great. It was great. The banter was great. The guys are great. Um, you know, and, and at this point, um, they just introduced Adam uh, as a new drummer when uh, Peachy Sean left. So I didn't know Adam very well. He was a very quiet man, but man, could he play? <laughs> let the music do the talking, I just say. Absolutely. And with Breed, you're always going to get that, you know, VIP experience. No matter if it's a small venue, uh, if it's a stadium, if it's a, a field, wherever they play, they always give or they always gave hundred percent, hundred and twenty percent, top-notch performance. Uh, the energy was always there, you know. And I remember going to see them back uh, the first time I went to see Breed live here in, in the UK. It was in Wales actually, um, and the venue, the, the venue was just a small, run-of-the-mill venue, yet their energy, you know, was as if they were playing Wembley Stadium. And that's what I love so much about Breed. The energy was always there. And, you know, no matter where you went to see them, they'd always deliver a great show. That's the thing. I mean, I've got this friend of mine from Manchester who's actually gone around the UK to see them. And on the same tour in particular, and she said the same thing that you did. It's testament to their work where, where they would give it the role, I guess, if it was Wembley Stadium. They did the same thing. Here in Gibraltar in 2009, obviously, come rain or shine, obviously, the show must always go on. But the particular day, it was raining, like, really, really hard. And they still went out there and gave it. Agent was support act, and Breed still came on and gave a hell of a show. You know, they didn't want to uh, not, uh, disappoint their local fans, and they just wanted to get out there and do it anyway. I remember that day. I was there backstage with them as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it's that, those particular things that make them great and those particular things that make them like we say, we always say we talk about Roland Diesel though, like it makes them people at the end of the day absolutely spot on and that's the best way to describe it and the track that you chose is probably one of their ultimate hits as I say and in Worlds on Fire and it's raw it's, it's loud but it's fantastic and of course it's Breed 7-7 with Worlds on Fire hope you enjoy it Yeah. 
And we're back. Unfortunately, we've come to the last part of the show. And of course, it's a case of saving the best for last. But I think it, there is no best for last in, in, in this scenario. I think when we choose local music and the tracks that our guests choose and uh, do choose are here for a reason. And they're great tracks all around. So kudos to all our guests for that. We're going to play th this particular track, which is probably, I dare say, the music video is what makes it great. But obviously the track and the musicianship around is what makes even it makes it even greater. Of course, we're talking about Reach and Adios Vida Vajad, but tell us a little bit as to why you chose this song and tell us about that friendship, perhaps, with Reach as well. I mean, we always talk about Mel and Diesel uh, back in those days, but Reach were pretty much around at the same time. And yeah. we, cannot, you know, we cannot forget that they were also instrumental to, um, to, to the Gibraltar music scene. Um, <clears throat> obviously, in a, in a different, you know, reaching out to a different demographic, perhaps. But nevertheless, you know, I, I still remember going up, uh, up the coast in, in, in the car and sticking uh, the Reach CD on and singing, you know, having a bit of a sing-along all the way up. They were, they were brilliant, catchy songs. Um, and that's what they were. And, and that's why people love them so much. Um, and again, Reach, if, for those of you who've, who've ever met the guys from Reach, they're an incredible bunch of, of, of guys. They've always been uh, humble as they come. Great Absolutely. musicianship, absolutely great musicianship. So imagine putting them, putting them all together. You know, they're they're professionals and they're experts in their own right. Um, yet they they remain humble, which is the best thing, uh, you know, a musician can be. Um, so they're just great guys to be around, and they they happen to be, you know, pros. So that's that's always a bonus. Um, and this song again, it was it was probably one which stood out the most for me from the first album um it's very 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 catchy and perhaps sort of um very pertinent to the times that we're living now adios vida ayer perhaps a good song to take us into this new the new normal as as they're branding it um so yeah i i thought why not it's it's quite appropriate yeah and it, like you mentioned like what you said about the guys being all around great guys and not just great guys, great musicians and musicianship. And I just say what makes them great. And, and I think it, it's the case for many bands worldwide. But what makes them great is the fact the bond that they have. I mean, I went to see them a few years ago at the rehearsal space when they were just starting to record their second album. And I just went round and just speaking to Giles and Stephen. And obviously then Michael came, then Francis came. And I think Adrian and Trevor were there as well. And just the fact to see them together and actually bond together and talk about it, about um, not just about the, the record, but talk about ideas as to what they wanted to implement into this upcoming album, it just blew me away, you know, because it, 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 it goes a long, a long way. But to see that bond that they have, I've always compared Stephen and Giles to John McCartney and Paul Lennon, of course, without the Yoko or no factor. Um, but um, the bond that they have and the friendship that they have says a lot to and it, it, it's shown in their music as well i mean something that people take for granted that uh bands or, or musical outfits they're they're a family they're a family and then you know if, if you ever walk into a band room and that's pretty much it you know like with any family there's good times there's not so good times but there is always a bond and there's this unspoken bond which you know it takes a lot to be broken and that sort of transmits onto the songwriting and, and the way they do things so you know you've got to have you've got to have that sort of uh, team dynamic 
which which bands have, and and, and that's certainly the case for Reach. They used to make it work uh, 120% to you know to to, to to be able to to achieve what they what they all did and and execute uh, the music the way they did. Absolutely spot on. Before we get carried away more than anything else, um, I w- it's a it's a tough question to ask, but sometimes it's good to know and obviously to see it from another perspective. But how do you see perhaps the local music scene progressing, or how would you like to see it progress? I mean, progression is such a difficult word to sort of um, pinpoint, and um, it, it's just very hard. Uh, I mean, it's 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 very very, very sort of uh, objective. In, in, in the sense that uh, times change, cultural trends change, and you know, and people nowadays have different interests. Um, I'd like to see more more people getting into music. Uh, fortunately, at least from my point of view, I don't see as much engagement <coughs> with musical creatives anymore. Um, if that is due to the lack of of perhaps um, facilities or, or music or even music venues for for these bands, these up- upcoming bands. To be able to showcase their talent, um, I don't know, but obviously times change. We need to adapt. Um, that said, there is a potential. Uh, the internet nowadays has opened a brand new world when it comes to the music industry. Uh, you know, and especially <clears throat> the advancement of technology. Now people can. You know, I mean, if we go to someone like Billie Eilish, she recorded her entire debut album from her bedroom. With her brother, with her brother, and um, she won a Grammy, or she she won several Grammys for it. My point being that there's no physical limitations anymore to musicians being able to put out the music, uh, because you have to spend thousands of pounds uh, in in a recording studio. Those days are gone. You know, nowadays you can do everything from your bedroom if you if you wanted to, and if you do it properly, obviously. Um, so that's one less hurdle for musicians to sort of have uh, in their musical journey. Um, you know, and I'd like to see, like I said, more people getting involved and more people putting music out there and not stopping, um, you know, not stopping, uh, not stopping the feet once they get music out. You know, it's, it's a hard, it's a, it's a long road. It's a hard journey, but it's not impossible. I think like you, th- like you said, more than anything else, uh, when you see the fact that um, you can record an album, if you learn the, pro- the software and obviously if you learn how to combat the software more than anything else and, and pretty much master it. In, in, in every sense of the word, it just stands out because you can, like you said, you can put it on Spotify, you can put it on iTunes. You just never know who's listening, really. Absolutely. The the idea is to get your music out there and make music, make music, make music. And when you stop for a break, you think about making music. And that's it. <laughs> that's pretty much the way to, to describe it. Uh, and more than anything else, like we talk about to see the, the progression of the local music scene, but is there anyone do you feel that pretty much stands out? I'm sad to say that I'm pretty much out of the loop at this moment. Uh, you know, I've, I've been back here in the UK for, for two years now. Uh, so I haven't been really keeping tabs with what's hot and what's not in the Gibraltar music scene. Um, so I, I'm not in a position to comment at the moment. Uh, but it's certainly something I'll I like to sort of delve into and, and have a, a, a greater look with a bit more of a magnifying glass. Um, that said, you know, I'm sure there are great bands coming up. Uh, and again, it's all about, you know, finding opportunities when they don't present themselves. Uh, and that's pretty much, you've got to have 
a, a very strong work ethic when it comes to the music industry. And you can't let minor hurdles get in your way or bring you down. So it's all about a positive uh, mind frame. And, you know, and if and one door closes, then just take a sidestep and, and open the one that's to your right or to your left. So it's all about make music, make music, make mistakes. You know, people, people in the music business are very afraid to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Nothing gets it right the first time. And, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I'd like to encourage anyone who's starting up to uh, starting up for writing originals for the first time. If you heard some of the, the, the really top bands, uh, some of the demos of these really top bands, and they they sound absolutely awful. I mean, the first demos, you wouldn't you wouldn't even want to listen to them a second time. But it's all about progression. It's all about development. So, you know, don't be disheartened. Just carry on, carry on, and improve, and and things will get better, and you you will get there. Practice makes perfect. Absolutely. That's the best way to describe it. So, before we play the track, all we can all we can do is thank you, Daryl, for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and obviously to get to know pretty much your musical journey and obviously the tracks that you chose pretty much that we went further and we went back and obviously more than anything else, it brought back great memories, I'm pretty sure, for you. Likewise, uh, I just want to thank you for having me on the show and uh, I hope that I've been able to, uh, you know, inspire many upcoming musicians with uh, my experiences. So absolutely, that's the best way to describe it. So before... We sign off. We just want to thank you for listening. And obviously, we'll be back, obviously, in seven days. We don't really know. Well, I, we, I always say seven days because of force of habit. But all these episodes are just being up- uploaded on whenever they're ready, pretty much. And there is no steady day. Just the best way to be surprised. We just upload it. And there we go. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, etc. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joe, for your time. And before we, we sign off, we always say keep on supporting local music. Because when you do, you're keeping local music alive. Take care, guys, and thank you for listening.
Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show wherever you access your podcasts by searching for GLMS Podcasts.